and welcome to Breaking the Curtain with me, Chrissy, and me, Joss. Don't forget to silence all phones. Or don't, it's a podcast. And most importantly, enjoy the show. Hello, <laughs> darlings. Oh. If you've clicked on this episode, then you already know we are crashing down on the history behind Ride the Cyclone. Now feels like a great time to tell you all that we both have a fear of roller coasters. We do. And this show is proof that it is an extremely valid fear. Yes. Yep. This show has actually been requested so many times for us to cover as a show history episode. And while we've both heard about it, I don't think either of us were prepared for like how truly dark it is. Uh, Love that, though. I am here for it. You can tell Joss and I are the same but different fonts because I compared it to Final Destination and she compared it to Cats. What? It's exactly like Cats. Okay, let's not get too off track. Get it? No. No? Okay. Alrighty. Ride the Cyclone tells the story of a teenage chamber choir from Uranium City, Saskatchewan, who die in a roller coaster accident at a traveling fair. When they awaken limbo, a mechanical fortune teller invites each to tell a story to win a prize like no other, the chance to return to life. Is Uranium City a real place in Saskatchewan? I feel like you would know that. You know, I feel like I would know that. Yeah. Um, but I actually do not know. But okay. for anyone listening who is not from Canada, Saskatchewan <laughs> is a real place. Yes. Yes, it is. Good job. <laughs> Can confirm. <laughs> Can confirm. Saskatchewan, real. Uranium City, mm, not too sure. Let's ask Google. We'll check it out. Yeah. Some Canadian geography lesson. Uranium City is a northern settlement in Saskatchewan, Canada, located on the northern shores of Lake Athabasca near the border of the Northwest Territories. So it is 230 meters above sea level, and the settlement is 760 kilometers northwest of Prince Albert. 760 kilometers northeast of Edmonton, and 48 kilometers south of the Northwest Territories and Saskatchewan boundary. So yes, it is a real town in northern Saskatchewan. All we need it was a yes or no. I don't do anything halfway, Chrissy. Everybody should know that by now. I take my Canadian geography very seriously. I'm so proud of you. (laughs) You are so like ocean. Anyways. I am an ocean, and I do not apologize for it. (laughs) Okay, let me give our friends the backstory on this show. So, in Victoria, British Columbia, in the year 2004, Jacob Richman and Britt Small founded a theater company called Atomic Vaudeville and began producing original work. Atomic Vaudeville played a unique role in the local community. The team was interested in creating, performing, and touring new work based on a shared aesthetic of rough, but potent theatricality. Dynamic musical and physical expression through a presentation style that brought the audience closer. They began putting up shows once a month and soon found themselves with a rabid, addicted audience. And the AV shows quickly gained attention and notoriety for their razor-sharp observational humor. In 2005, Atomic Vaudeville produced a show called Legoland, which would end up being the first in a trilogy of theme park-inspired dark comedies by Richmond, dubbed the Uranium Teen Scream Trilogy. The story follows Penny and Ezra, the infamous Lamb siblings, who extradited to Canada after a brutal attack on one of America's most beloved pop stars, 
give a presentation of their harrowing journey to their social worker. It's the official story straight from the Gruesome Twosome, Canada's youngest drug cartel. The story is told using ukulele, puppets, multimedia, and gangster rap. And the show actually did quite well. It was performed in Vancouver, Victoria, Toronto, New York, Bellingham, Seattle, Washington, and Los Angeles. Legoland also received the Contra Guys Award for Best New Play at the Summerworks Festival in Toronto, Best New Play at the Victoria Fringe Festival, and the Georgia Strait Critics' Choice Award at the Vancouver Fringe Festival, Festival Favorite Award at the New York Frigid Festival, and more. Following the success of Legoland, Jacob Richmond got to work on writing part two of the trilogy alongside collaborator Brooke Maxwell. What they came up with was a musical named Ride the Cyclone. It premiered as a cabaret at Atomic Vaudeville in 2008 before being adapted into a full-length show. In 2011, a production opened in Toronto, Ontario. At the opening night party, theatergoers were overheard whispering about a future in New York and an off-Broadway producer had actually been in the audience. At the 2012 Dora Maver Moore Awards, the show won the award for Outstanding Touring Production and went on to tour Western Canada in 2013. Still, it would be a little while before hitting off-Broadway. The writing team continued to work on the show, incorporating rewrites such as a new opening number and a song for Ocean, whose story arc had been reworked as well. Cyclone made its American debut at the Chicago Shakespeare Theatre from September 29, 2015 to November 8, 2015, with direction by Rachel Rockwell. The cast included Lillian Castillo as Constance, Lillian Castillo as Constance Blackwood, Jackson Evans as Ricky Potts, Carl Hamilton as The Amazing Karnak, Russell Murnaugh as Misha Baczynski, Emily Rom as Jane Doe, Tiffany Tetro as Ocean O'Connell Rosenberg, and Colby Wardell as Noel Gruber. A few months later, it was announced that the show, directed once again by Rockwell, would make the move to Off-Broadway at the MCC Theatre. The cast featured Castillo, Hamilton, Wardell, and Rom reprising their roles from the Chicago production, with Alex Wise and Gus Halper joining the cast as Ricky and Misha. Taylor Louderman was actually set to play the role of Ocean, but when she withdrew from the production due to creative differences, Tiffany Chitreau returned to the role she had played in Chicago. The show ran off-Broadway at the Lucille Lortel Theatre from November 30th to December 18th, 2016. Following its off-Broadway debut, the production went on to play in Seattle in 2018 and Atlanta in 2019. See, that's what I remember from this show. I remember that Tater La- Tater? Tater? Tater Tot? I hate it. Oh my god. I remember that Taylor Louderman was joining the cast- and that it was going to play at MCC. And then I remember reading that she and the creative team like decided to part ways. Um, I always wondered what happened there. I guess we'll never know. But I think she would have been great as Ocean as well, you know? Really? I, I think she would have been good. But like, I don't see her as an Ocean. Really? Because I find her voice. No. Like the character more... I guess her natural voice kind of reminds me of like a character voice. I think it could have worked. I don't know. I feel like she's I feel like she's too cute. She is very cute. Ocean's a killer. She's aggressive. <laughs> she's, she's aggressive, this- yeah. But I do think she's also super adorable. <laughs> she's she's got an aggressive totally. streak. Totally. She's feisty. I mean, obviously Taylor Loudner Taylor played Regina George. Right. Like she can be aggressive, but I don't know. I didn't I don't see it. But like creative differences, that could mean a lot of different yeah, things. Yeah, because they both mutually felt that way. 
Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Ride the Cyclone has been a popular show with regional and college theaters, with many productions across North America. However, the show experienced a new spike in popularity in the last two years. On May 7th, 2021, Ride the Cyclone released its world premiere cast recording. The recording, which can be found wherever you like to listen to music, features the cast from the Atlanta production and songs cut from the previous productions. It also includes the fourth wall breaks from the stage show as Karnick addresses the album listeners. And now in 2022, Ride the Cyclone found a brand new fan base through the power of social media, with sounds and songs from the show even going viral on TikTok, and former cast members have also been joining in on the fun by posting Q&As and old clips from backstage. Spoiler alert, fans also have a theory that the character Penny in Legoland is actually Jane Doe, which I don't think it's been confirmed by the writers, but... It makes a lot of sense, especially since there's one more part in the trilogy and Jane Doe is the one who is resurrected and ride the cyclone, spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> but no, that makes sense to me. And there's one part left. Exactly. So I'm anxiously awaiting part three. Yeah, maybe they'll confirm it in that. Or they'll maybe have to. it's a whole like, other character and we'll learn maybe. more about who Jane Doe was before. She was. Ooh, because now she's resurrected, right? So anything could happen. Yes. I wonder... She's got her head back. She's got... <laughs> okay, so first of all, this musical is so great and quirky and terrifying and morbid, but also just super intriguing. Also, I'm going to base everything I talk about on the Alliance Theater production because this is the one with the pro shot and the most content out there right now. So I think like the use of video in the set design is so brilliant. Right away, we're introduced to the choir through a short video, which also shows them going up on the coaster. Brilliant. Sets the vibe. Tells us who they are. There's also a great use of illusion with Jane Doe being headless and flying around in certain scenes. Did you watch that? I did. I did. Was that insane or what? It was. It, it was. It's quite cool. I really agree with what you said, I think. Yeah. And that's something in reviews of the productions that mm -hmm. I was reading as we were prepping for this episode. You know, everybody kind of had a different opinion on, like, the content right. of the show. Mm. But everybody could agree that the special effects were insane. And I have to agree. Yeah. I mean, not to mention, I think there is this one moment at the top of the show where you actually see... Uh, Jane Doe headless. Yeah, and she doesn't have a head. How the? I mean, I can kind of under. I get what they've done through theater magic. I mean, I don't. But you don't. I'm I, gonna keep okay. it that way. Can I spoil it? Maybe. No. No. Okay, I won't. I won't. I won't. <laughs> but yeah, I just think it's so brilliant. They've really gone out. They've gone all out with it. There's not a trick missed. And like the puppetry, and like the glowing right? eyes, and like. And the, the headless lighting. doll to like show that she is headless herself. Yeah, just and that in case she has we the forget. Doll, in case they forget. So I'm assuming that means like she is wearing the, do the doll head. Yeah, that's what I always yeah. kind of figured. Right. In the sense that like, because her hair and makeup and And face, the eyes. And like yeah. even her movement, she has these robotic, yes. jerky doll-like movements. Oh, so good. So like she is the doll. That's the, so I think that's, good. I think that's the idea. Yeah. Yes, yeah. that's the symbolism they're going for, I think. So besides the show being great, we need to talk about how social media has played a massive part in this show, finally growing the fan base it deserves. 
the digital age is so freaking great for this because without social media and YouTube and TikTok, there is a big chance that nobody would be talking about this show in 2022. And that's primarily because, you know, it's Canadian and Canadian works often don't get the recognition that they deserve. It's mostly regionally produced production-wise, and the last, like, true mainstream-esque production was in 2018. So it's been a little while since there's been a really big production that has caught the attention of, like, critics and such. Yeah, I mean, the power of social media, man. It's strong. You guys know that, like, the world of obscure Canadian musical theater is a world that I love to live in. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's, it's kind of my jam. And so to see something like Ride the Cyclone, which I was familiar with before, I feel like I'm always seeing casting calls for it. But within like the last year or so since the cast album came out, I feel like I've seen more casting calls for it, like re for regional theaters. It's just kind of gained momentum. And now everywhere I scroll on TikTok, it's like, it's it's the... It's a different song from Ride the Cyclone every single time. And these sounds are going viral, which is like totally insane. I think it's awesome, especially if it's a trilogy sort of thing and there's going to be one more. Like this sort of momentum is great. So hopefully they're in a place to kind of get the ball rolling on that. But mm -hmm. the fact that like this little baby Canadian show is something that's become so popular, I mean... Obviously, like, six is really big right now, and six is basically right. cats, but with tutor people, and now this is cats, <laughs> but with high school choir kids. It's like Glee meets cats. Right. And six and the show also both had, like, a similar start, you know? I mean, this one was a cabaret, but six got its start in, like, uh, I believe they did it at their college first, yeah, it was and then it... It went to Fringe. Yeah, yeah, like the idea of like a concept kind of piece exactly. that just kind of exploded. And, yeah. you know, people are into that right now. Also, what I'm noticing on theater Twitter, like you guys know the group, the theater Twitter Twitter group. That oh, yes. So I fun. see so many tweets on there. People are talking about how much they love a 90-minute musical. I feel like ever since like in that post-COVID world, people are liking, you know, going to a show and not having an intermission. They're really digging like the one actors that are nice and short. And this is kind of perfect for that. And I, so I think it's really kind of, you know, it's reached a place where it fits the trends of the time, if that makes sense. Absolutely. And also like the kids in the show, they're born in 93 and then they die in their teens. And so like, when you think about the age of people who are like the demographics of people who are on TikTok and like who are using these sounds, mm -hmm. there are people who are either like in high school now or people like our age who were born in the 90s mm -hmm. uh, who are really loving it. So I think it really captures kind of adolescence yeah, um, sure. and the era and generation um, that we grew up in. And for me, as somebody from a small Canadian town, like, it really kind of captures a very specific brand of angst. Yes. Like <laughs> it has it has the general teenage angst, which, of course, we talk about how teenage angst musicals are really big all the time. But like it really captures also the specific teenage angst of growing up in small town Canada. God bless it. It's so good. It's great. 
And so I'm going to say this delicately, but, you know, I think we all know if we've if you've seen stuff from Ride the Cyclone recently, you've seen it on social media. Uh, you know, there was an illegal copy floating around that has been watched. And I think it's worth noting that I think that it plays a huge factor in the show's recent spike in popularity. You know, it's accessible for people to watch and enjoy. And I think from that, we're going to see a lot more live productions of Ride the Cyclone. You know, I'm just going to say it. I think that's great. Yeah, it's similar to the uh, the way Be More Chill became very popular very quickly. Yeah. So who knows? Maybe this will get another off-Broadway run. It has been Maybe. reworked quite a bit since then as well. This is 2016 now. This is like, it's getting up there in, yeah. in the years, so... Even if it's not a full run, I could really see them doing like an off-Broadway like limited thing for a couple weeks. Like that would be great. Even a 54 Below staged concert would be very cool to just bring it back in people's minds. I mean, it's it's pretty demand. There is a demand for it. (laughs) And I think there's the whole like pro or anti-bootleg or this or that in theater accessibility, which I'm not going to get into today because I do not have the time. But... Ride the Cyclone is a great example of how it's a show that, you know, it is. It's an obscure Canadian musical. And now it is hugely popular and everybody's talking about it. You know, it's like the Heathers bootleg. Sure. Yeah. Which, again, we all we all we all saw Mm -hmm. whether it's, you know, right or not. That's not the question here for me, but we, we all saw it. And that played mm-hmm. a huge part. And I'm sure because of this, because of the bootlegs on YouTube and uh, TikTok and everything, all the clips, I imagine that is doing pretty good for the cast recording that came out last year that might have otherwise not as, not have had as many listens and downloads. Exactly. The amount of streams. Yeah. Right. And then that's again, that's revenue, that's popularity. That's, yeah, you know, I think this is so cool because. I know we talk a lot. I'm going to use Heather's as an example because we've used it before about how social media really kind of took off with the show. I think Ride the Cyclone is a great example of it that's happening right now in this moment. Like I'm seeing people on TikTok, they're going as like Jane Doe for Halloween. And I think that's so super cool. Um, So yeah, very exciting, very exciting time. Anyway, everybody, of course, our knowledge on Ride the Cyclone might be slightly limited, but You love it. We love it. So we would love to see your thoughts and comments about the show. Uh, Shoot us a message. Shoot us a comment. Let us know your favorite character because they are such unique, bold characters. And they're so well written. They're so fucking well written. So tell us who your favorite is. And uh, yeah, we want to know. Who's your favorite? Ocean. (laughs) Yeah, Ocean. I mean... (laughs) ocean and also i just jane doe is like such a cool interesting character as well yeah and i think that's something i love about canadian musical theater in the sense that like when i feel like there are a couple canadian musicals i can think of off the top of my head that have small casts of like five or six main characters and i think when you commit to having a small cast automatically those characters are all extremely well-rounded and written better as a result so awesome, awesome writing in that. Anyway, when 
this actually, the end of this episode brings us to the end of our 2022 season three spooky season on the podcast. We just did, we just did two entire months of spooky musicals in preparation for today. Halloween. You know, I didn't realize there was so many creepy musicals out there. That being said, between having three spooky seasons, I don't know what we're going to do next year for musicals to cover. Are you kidding? I already have a list. Yeah, I'm ready. Skip a few that we had in our mind. I have a list. And then we also have one that just kind of made it just under the bar that you'll get. You'll get it next month, but it's still pretty creepy. But you'll get it. Good point, friend. Um, But no, next year, I have next year all planned out already. I'm excited. Yeah. As always, I'm Chris. I'm Jocelyn. Together we are Breaking Breaking the Curtain. curtain, And we are wishing you a very happy and safe Halloween. And we'll see you in November. Woo! Bye! Bye!